Thank you so much, David. Thank you, everyone. I'm Alice. I'm a recovered alcoholic. It's so lovely and a little nerve wracking to be here, but I'm really, really excited and honored to be invited. And um, by the way, my, my home group here in Sacramento is called Group 3. We meet both in person and on Zoom. And uh, David L. is going to be coming out and speaking um, in a couple weeks here. So <laughs> maybe I'll put the message in the, the information in the chat later. Um, yeah, and thank you for the invitation. You know, I, I'm all about the big book, but that line from the 12 and 12 popped in my head when Alice extended the invitation. And I'll explain a little bit why. I'm going to read a little bit from that page 97 in the 12 and 12 in the middle of that paragraph um, where it says, but we recoiled from meditation and prayer as obstinately as a scientist who refused to perform a certain experiment, lest it prove his pet theory wrong. Of course, we finally did experiment. And when unexpected results followed, we felt different. In fact, we knew different. And so we were sold on meditation and prayer. Um, I'm going to share with you something that I wrote when I was struggling to, to just not drink. <laughs> you guess how that worked out. Um, I was struggling and struggling, and, and I knew I had to do this on my own. I knew that I had to stay strong, and I knew that um, I just needed to try harder. And I knew that Alcoholics Anonymous wouldn't work because I knew in AA um, – I mean, I hadn't been to a meeting yet, but I knew this stuff that in Alcoholics Anonymous, there's some sort of ceremony where they make you pick a God or a doorknob. And I'm like, oh, that sounds really weird. you know. So I'm like, obviously it doesn't work. Um, and I thought that the, the solution to um, my drinking would be journaling. And I, 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 and actually, I thought I was going to publish this. And when you hear it, it's so bad. But here's something that I wrote. And, um, and this is a few months before um, my clearly God-given sobriety date. I wrote, this is so bad. Chardonnay is necessary. <laughs> it is water. It is air. It is sustenance. It is shelter. It overrides everything else in my life. It is more important than friends, work, health, love. It is needed and it is necessary. And I really believe that and listen to that is water, it is air, you know, it's sustenance, it's shelter, right? And later on that same page in the 12 and 12, there's this beautiful line, those of us who have come to make regular use of prayer would no more do without it than we would refuse air, food or sunshine. I mean, you could have just knocked me over with feather first time I read that line. Um, but and I'll describe my current practice and experiences with step 11, but I also want to share um, just the very first time I ever prayed. And it's because of you guys. It's because of Alcoholics Anonymous. I, um, you know, I, obviously the, the, the journaling didn't work. <laughs> you know, I still drank, I drank and drank and drank. And I, and I finally had a moment where um I realized that I, I finally, I finally got it through my skull that I could not stop myself from picking up that next first drink. You know what it means to be powerless, what it means to be beyond human aid, even my own, that my own strength and determination and love for my family and, and um, all of those things just wasn't going to stop me from picking up. And that was so devastating, so devastating um, and I'm so grateful for that desperation today. And some of you know this part of my story, but I'm a crazy cat lady. <laughs> and um, and I had that mo that realization. My husband asked me, he caught me drinking before going to detox. I'm just drinking right out of a bottle as I'm trying to pack my bags. And he just looks at me and he says, is that going to be your last drink? And I realized I don't know how to have my last drink. I don't know how to do that. It terrified me. And we get down to the detox facility. They led me back to my room and there was a cat sitting on the bed. And it, I, very unexpected. And I thought, 
this is a sign from the universe. And I had a moment where I thought maybe, maybe there's a power greater than me. I just had never considered that before. How embarrassing, right? But, but, and it's a cat sitting on a bed, but I fell to my knees and I started crying because I thought, is this what people are talking about? That there can be a sign that I feel like everything's in divine order and I'm supposed to be here right now. Not I'm going to be okay, but I already am right now. And that detox was right next to an AA meeting and they made us go. And for the first time in my life, I heard the word God with completely different ears. I just had to reach that point of desperation first. I had to be willing. I had to recognize that my human power wasn't working and it felt like drowning. Oh, of course I'm going to reach for a life preserver. And up until then, that life preserver just looked like a round piece of plastic. It meant nothing to me. God meant nothing to me. Your spiritual solution meant nothing. And suddenly I have this experience where I'm, I'm grasping for it. I want it. I want what you guys have. And swigging out of that bottle that morning remains my last drink. Obviously not Alice Power. That was the morning of October 14th, 2013. Um, and um, getting out of that detox facility, I was terrified, but I'd already met my sponsor. I, you know, I, I met her on day zero. You know, I had someone offer a solution. Um, I had a home group that, um, my original home group that made it really clear that I wasn't going to recover by hanging out with them in meetings that, you know, there's actions to take. And I believe them. I believe them because they were demonstrating what this 11th step looks like. And they, they sure made God sound attractive. And um, I don't remember at what point we were at in the book, but when I was two weeks sober, I was sitting in my, um, sitting in my car on my lunch hour, which is where I usually drank. And um, and I had one of those moments where I wanted a drink, but I don't want to drink. But I want to drink. I don't want to drink. But I, want to, I want to drink. But I don't want to drink. And this is going on and on and on. And I, and I don't even remember closing my eyes, but I must have because I opened them. <laughs> and, and there were beams of light coming off this brick wall where I was, I was parked. And I can't describe it. I cannot. And I know... Um, I know there are people here who have had one of those bright light experiences. You know what I'm talking about. We know they're real and they're indescribable. And I don't know what I couldn't, but it was, it, it was a, it was a feeling along with a, a, a vision where I just this overwhelming sense of, um, safety. And that night, um, as I was laying in bed and I was journaling, <laughs> um, and I thought, I think I, I think I really think this higher power stuff is real. I really think it's real. I realized that I hadn't, I hadn't thought about drinking the whole rest of the afternoon. That that constant thought, that battle was gone. I can't do that to myself. That's not of me. And I looked up at my ceiling, and there were beams of light on my ceiling and I look over and it was my bedside lamp, <laughs> but I'd never see it do that before, you know? And by the way, cats sit on beds, you know, it's, but, but that was God too, because I received it as God. And in that moment, I looked up at my ceiling and I just kept saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm praying. This is what people are, this is what people are talking about. I'm talking to this power I don't understand and I can't comprehend. And, you know, very recently, I completely had, did not think it was real. And now I'm talking to it. <laughs> and I am just, I am all in because I've never felt like this before. I've never had that 
thought of drinking gone from my head. And I was like, what else can he do? <laughs> what else can this God do? And I, and then I had, you know, more grandiosity. And I remember journaling and thinking, what am I going to call my higher power? Maybe Howard from like the Lord's Prayer, Howard be thy name. Like I thought I had to be cute and fancy about that. And no disrespect to anyone who does that, you know, but I thought I had to be fancy and I had an overwhelming thought of, you know, you can just call him God, right? <laughs> and I was like, stop trying to be different, Alice. But I've been calling him God ever since. And that, that bright light experience was not an awakening. It was an experience. I remained still very selfish and self-centered and I had lots of work to do and I still do, you know, in taking these steps and, and facing my resentment and making amends to people and, you know, so much action to take, but that, that spiritual experience, although I still was um, still very sick, but that experience gifted me with a rock solid faith, where there is, ah, uh, Calvin, no doubt, no doubt that this power is real. And since that moment, I've, I just want to get to know that power better. And I'm grateful that we have this framework with which we can do that, that um, all my ideas about God all my ideas of, of myself and what alcoholism is and about the people that I thought who had wronged me, like everything turned on its head. And um, I started feeling a tingling feeling when I would pray. I can't make that happen. You know, these things that are happening within me, but not of me. And um and today, as I practice step 11, um, I love that these directions we have in the big book, I can do them over and over and over again and expect different results because God is limitless. It keeps getting better and sweeter. Um, and it's it it gets really fun to be wrong <laughs> it gets really fun to find out that i'm wrong about something because then the world just keeps getting bigger my own mind will still limit things and decide fixed ideas or judgments about you know how things are supposed to be or whatever and um and whereas I used to get really defensive and I would dig my heels in and have to be right, I just don't have to be right anymore. What a freedom that is. Um, and the flow that I get to go with in continually striving to just do whatever God wants me to do um, is, man, I... Um, I had been making really heavy going of life for, for a little over four decades there, you know? Um, and, but I'm grateful for all those experiences today. And, and today, the way I practice step 11, um, I go with the, the suggestions that we have in the big book at night. You know, I ask those questions that are on 86, essentially asking God, how was my 10th step today? What did I miss? You know, in my 10th step awareness, I'm going to miss stuff. So where have I been selfish, dishonest, self-seeking and afraid? And I ask God those questions, because if I'm asking myself, I will get into that morbid reflection, you know, and self doesn't know. Self thinks that self is just fine. <laughs> but if I'm asking God, I can trust that the answers will come. And so I ask God those questions about how was my 10 step awareness today, as well as going further, like, you know, was I, was I kind and loving toward all? What could I have done better? 
was I packing into the stream of life or was I thinking of myself most of the time, you know? And it's a rare night that I can, you know, report that I've done everything I could possibly do. <laughs> but I also get to practice this without delving into self-pity like I used to. I can see my wrongs without um, getting so wrapped up in them because I can strive for perfection and know I'll never hit it. And that's a, that's a neat trick for, you know, a person like me who had very black and white thinking for a long time. Um, so I make that review and, you know, several years ago, I noticed that although I was pretty disciplined with the nightly review and step 11, um, and I'd always add in with my prayers, just how grateful I am. And like looking back on the day and, you know, whatever I'd been worried about was fine, you know, and, and, and every morning I would wake up intending to ask God to direct my thinking, but what's my first thought? Oh, what time is it? You know, um, five more minutes. What did I agree to do today? How can I get out of it? You know, like some form of fear when that alarm clock goes off, where if I wake up before the alarm, oh my God, I woke up before the alarm. I cheated myself out of sleep. You know, I'm going to try to go back to sleep. You know, all of those thoughts. And I realized that I was in some sort of form of fear when I wake up. But every night I'm like, oh my God, it worked out. God, <laughs> everything, everything that I was fearful about and worried about, it was just fine. I'm like, when am I going to connect those dots? So one night in my nightly review, I asked God, can you, can you help me wake up with the same faith and gratitude that I feel right now? And the next morning, I'm just gaining consciousness. And the only thing in my head was just God and peace. Like, he did that. <laughs> and so I continue to do that every night. I just ask God to help me wake up with him and it works, you know, like, why wouldn't it work? Ask God to help you pray and meditate. And he does. Man. And it still gives me like a thrill every time because like, and I hope I never cease to be amazed, right? Like, I don't want to take that for granted because it is so, it's thrilling and joyous that, that this power, this power that's so loving is, um, it gets to be a part of me on a daily basis. And it's so fun when like these intuitive thoughts that, um, you know, we all know, or I'm assuming most of us know that, um, that how joyous it is as we get to sponsor others and we get to see that light come on. Right. You know, but then like when I get to have passing encounters with somebody that maybe I only meet once and then I find out later that maybe something I said or did had an impact. Like, you know, it's like that, I don't know why that just, it just tickles me because I, I know it's not me. I know it's, it's not of me, but it happens through me. And it's like, yes, please, more of that. Use me, God, use me. I don't talk about this much. Um, at group level, but I, um, I suffer from chronic pain and it, um, it came on after I had gotten sober. Thank goodness, because I'm, I'm sure I would have, um, I would not have responded well, you know, had I been drinking at the time. Um, and although it, you know, in the beginning, it felt like the worst thing in the world. Today, it has enabled me to be home and to be um, available to be helpful to people. This platform has enabled us to be helpful to more people more frequently. Um, 
and so today I'm at a place where when the pain is, is, you know, flaring up more intensely, it, it sounds corny, but I can sincerely say, thank you, God. Keep using me. I don't have a desire to change a thing. Um, and this trust and faith that I have in God and God's plan doesn't come from a place of logic or reason or intellect. And so sometimes it feels weird, like, you know, like, um, because I lived for so long relying on, you know, my, um, my own self and my own ability to reason and, and all of that. And I was so attached to that. And so it can feel strange sometimes. And yet um, the peace is there regardless, regardless of what happens. Um, I don't have to be so attached to my way anymore. Um, and it, you know, we've got that line in the book in um, chapter seven, where it says, when we look back, we see that the things that came to us when we placed ourselves in God's hands are better than anything we could have planned. I strive to, to feel that now, you know, I want to feel it now rather than looking back now in those times of trouble and strife and uncertainty right now, my husband and I are um, facing some, some uncertainty, some big decisions to make, you know, life stuff. And I can step back and be like, why am I not scared right now? <laughs> you know, like this is the kind of thing that would have me tripping. And yet, nope, nope, still trusting, still trusting God and still trusting that, you know, if we somehow make a decision that maybe isn't right, so to speak, I, I know I can learn from it, you know? Um, and man, I am not a person who spoke like this 10 years ago. And I should share, you know, I, um, I, I grew up in an alcoholic home. Um, uh, well, that sounds dramatic. My dad's an alcoholic. And, and so there, there was, um, there was some trauma there, you know, in childhood. And I had this idea that faith was something that you were either born with or you weren't. I don't know where I got that idea from. I didn't even think of it in those words didn't realize it until retrospect, like, yeah, I really just had this feeling that there's, I'll never have faith. Like my sister, who's a normie, she always um, wanted to go to church. I never did. And so it was just like, that's just, that's how it is. And I, and I really um, believed that I was not missing out on anything, you know, that you all that have your beliefs, like that, that's, I'm glad that keeps you happy. I think it's delusional, but you know, that's fine. Um, I was never a seeker. I did not. Um, I really did not think that I was missing out on anything. And, um, and so thank God for that alcoholism, right? Thank God for every drink I did not want to take that convinced me the limitations of my human power, how devastatingly limited my human power is. And um, I should share that my father is, um, he's been sober in Alcoholics Anonymous mm -hmm. for almost 27 years now. I had evidence right in front of me that Alcoholics Anonymous works, that it's effective, um, but I could not connect those dots. I believed my opinion over your experience until I need the experience myself. But, um, and my parents live back in the Midwest and I'm out here in California. But one time when, um, I'd gone out to visit after I had gotten sober, my mom pulled out a bunch of, um, old drawings and poems I had written as a kid that she found just, you know, rooted away in a closet somewhere and she shows them to me. And you know what the poems were about? Not about cats. <laughs> they were about God written by me as a child. I had no memory of that. I'm looking at this, I'm like, when? Deep down in every man, woman, and child, it was there. I still don't remember it, but it was there. And now it's back.
I wouldn't want to relive um, the the decades of uncontrollable drinking. I would not want to relive them, but if God wanted me to, I would. And I'm grateful for all of that time. Um, and today I get this connection, this guidance, that um, that handbook that we all wanted growing up, you know, think everybody else got the handbook, everyone else got, you know, um, kind of knows how to face life and I don't, I'm different, you know, all of that kind of thinking. And, and today I'm not so different and I've got that handbook right inside of me. And um, as long as I'm willing to continue to face my current self-centeredness, my current delusion that I'm somehow separate or different or better or worse than anyone else, that, that seeking of self that separates me from you and from God. I'll still have those thoughts that like, um, if I'm uncomfortable that I need to seek comfort. That sounds so reasonable, doesn't it? You know, like I, I want my blankie and, and to binge watch some TV and a cat on my lap and, you know, maybe some comfort food. And man, that, that doesn't last. When I'm uncomfortable, I need to comfort somebody else. And that's what does it. I had it so backwards, wanting to seek, to love myself, seek acceptance, seek self-forgiveness. And I'll never receive that by seeking it. But when I continue to seek God, by helping you, by being inconvenienced, by being open to helping others, um, man, I'm not so interested in myself, but I'm, um, I'm good with me in a way I never was. I um, Just before this, I got to meet with um, a, a sponsee and um, praise always feels really uncomfortable, you know, because I know that it's, um, I don't take credit for my sobriety. Um, it's not a personal accomplishment, it's a gift, but um, I just loved her wording. She just, she just said, you matter. And I started crying. <laughs> you know, um, I, and I used to go around hurting people and I didn't even know it, you know? So I want to keep going around helping people and not know it. Um, but we do matter. Our words matter. You know, these little acts of kindness, just responding to that, responding to that God guidance, you know, when an idea pops in my head to reach out to somebody or call somebody or send someone a picture of my cat, because <laughs> I do that, I'm the person who does that, you know, but, but, but to, um, to reach out and connect when I respond to that in that moment, and I, and I know it's God and he's working through me, like what an honor is that, right? What an honor that we get to experience God working through us. Like, I, and this, I hope it doesn't sound like bragging. I mean, it's, it's, it's not, I'm just, I'm excited about it, but um, not too long ago, I just happened to, it just, the idea popped in my head. I reached out to somebody that I haven't seen in a little while. I'm not close to this person. I don't think we've ever spoken on the phone. I just, it popped in my head. So I reached out to this guy, just, Hey, and a text wasn't even a phone call. And, um, and this guy's been sober for a long time. And he reported to me that, um, in that very moment he was about to drink and he didn't. How thrilling is that? Like, I hope I don't miss those opportunities. God wants to work through me. I hope I, I hope I'm open and I take that action in that moment. What an honor, right? Like, that wasn't Alice making a decision. That wasn't Alice trying to be helpful. Just open. Um, I'm so grateful. So grateful for um, those little giant opportunities that we get in here. And I want to still feel that tingle and that... Um, 
amazement that God's real. <laughs> That's one of the most surprising things that I that um I had no I had no idea. Um. So yeah, though I say it like I did, I wouldn't want to go through it again. Um, if I had to, yeah, I would drink for another 20 years to, to get to know God again, if that's what he wanted me to do. And I'm not saying, I mean, like in another lifetime, you know, like, um, like I'm open, I'm open to suffering. I'm open to, um, whatever his plan is. And, um, the fact that, uh, it's just so magical. It's just so magical. And um, I feel like I'm gonna babble some more, so I'm gonna wrap it up there. But I wanna say that I love you. I love this opportunity. I love our literature. I put my phone number in my profile name because um, I truly am open to opportunities to interact with people and to be helpful. Um, May I never forget that this is a gift. And um, I'm just, I'm going to repeat myself. I'm really, really, really grateful. <laughs> and, and that is enough out of me. Thank you again. Thank you. I love you. Thank you. Much appreciate. Uh, Kelly M., come on up. Uh, thank you. Hi, everyone. My name is Kelly, and I'm an alcoholic. Alice, thank you so much for your message. Um, um, I've heard you before. You're fantastic. I love it. Uh, I do have a question, but you kind of sort of ended uh, answering it near the end. But if you can elaborate a little bit more so I can get just a little bit more from you, be greatly appreciative. You talk about um, um, if you were to ever drink again, not that you want to, but if it was God's uh, wishes um, that you would surely do it again. So, I think we should have. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's weird that I said that. Like it came out of my mouth, you know. And I'm really thinking because I always think about like um, I don't regret the past, nor wish to shut the door on it. And and I'm open to suffering, but I would not want to relive all my years of alcoholism. And then I was kind of like correcting myself, like, well whatever God wants me to do, like if there's another life, you know, if I, if I come back in another life and go through it again, yeah, to be helpful to others, like just trusting in his plan. And I don't think God ever wants me to drink, <laughs> you know, and, and the um, obsession has been lifted. I've been restored to sanity. Um, but hey, you know, like whatever, Whatever God's plan is, like that's that's where my trust is. I'm along for the ride. I hope that makes sense. Thank you, Thank Kelly. You for the question. Ah, wonderful. Thank you, Kelly. Uh, Nancy, come on up. Thank you. It's nice to be with everybody tonight. I'm Nancy and I'm an alcoholic. It was great hearing Alice, and I really appreciate that. Can you say a little bit more if you're comfortable about? like what the process of your 10th and 11th looks like. I always struggle with that, with making it meaningful and having it not be just my voice, but uh, having it be God being able to speak to me in a way that, that moves me forward. But um, I get, I get a little tangled up sometimes. Yeah, no worries. Um, yeah, absolutely. So my 10th step is really the awareness all day of um, my own discomfort and that it's, I'm just, if I'm uncomfortable, it's probably going to be selfishness, honesty, resentment, and fear. And in that moment to ask God to remove it, if I act on it, you know, and then I owe amends, make an amends right there, but then turning my thoughts to someone I can help as part of my 10th step awareness goes a long way. And then at night, I'm just asking those questions that recap. And I'm asking God too to like help me be open to the answers, help me be open to whatever corrective measures should be taken, and to really um, be willing to hear that voice, so that I can face whatever self-centered thought, action I've taken, and and um, 
move closer to God. I hope that makes sense. Um, I am. I'm also like, if you want to take down my number, like I've had some experiences in the third and fourth step that just like completely transformed the way I see resentment. So I'm happy to chat later about that too. Thank you. Thanks, Nancy. Yes, thank you, Nancy. And Alice, come on up. Alice, alcoholic. Alice, thank you for a lovely, a lovely talk. And um, I always ask the question about how do we transmit our knowing to the people we work with? So I want to frame it. Um, often when we talk about willingness in Alcoholics Anonymous, we talk about it being the cornerstone, right? The willingness to believe. But I heard you talk about a different kind of willingness, right? The willingness to be fully surrendered to the power, right? Mm -hmm. That if God wants me to suffer, like God has sent me pain, like thank you, God, for everything. Thank you, God, for everything. And it's such a deeply different thing than just the willingness to believe, right? Yeah. And I'm imagining that when you got here, if somebody had said, yay, let's be willing to suffer, you'd have been like, what? No, I didn't yeah. come for that. So can you <laughs> talk about how you transmit that profound deepening of willingness to the people that you offer? Yeah, that's a great question, Alice. Thank you. I love you. Um, I find that really sitting with someone through that first step experience is key dwelling on the hopelessness because when when the the alcoholic fully feels like oh my god i'm gonna drink again whether i want to or not and like i cannot manage my own life like on my own power this is not working when they feel the heaviness of that they'll crack open and the power is already there you know, if I try to convince somebody to seek God or convince somebody to have willingness, it's feels like it's a, um, a wasted effort. Like I don't have to convince the willing. And I personally wasn't willing until I truly realized the predicament that I was in. Um, and then it seems that, um, they kind of take off, you know, I mean, like a rocket, you know, like really interested in, in seeking this and experiencing and then start experiencing that power. They start seeking more of it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's sitting with that first step pain, I think is key. Thank you so much, Alice. Nikki G, come on out. Hi everyone, Nikki, alcoholic. Um, thank you so much for your share, Alice. It was really nice to hear from you and exactly what I needed to hear. Um, as I sit here in my uncomfortableness of everything that I have going on in my life and, and just always like trying to find um, a solution, you gave me the solution tonight. It was like, as I'm seeking comfort, and as I'm like trying to fix this and, you know, through food or alcohol or any of these things, like your answer was like, I give comfort instead. And I'm like, to me, that was like such a God shot. Like I need, that's what I need to do. I need to be outward and, and giving comfort. So thank you for that. Um, I really appreciate that. When did that click for you? Because I'm still pretty much new in my sobriety. I'm going to be at two years in December and I'm still I was beating myself up for a long time for like not being perfect, but just realizing that this is my journey. I'm doing the best that I can. And all that matters is I'm still sober uh, one day at a time. But when did that, like, I need to give comfort and I'm like actually doing it. Like, when did that set in, in your journey? And I know everyone's looks different, but um, just would love to hear more about like when that started, those actions started happening. Thank you. Absolutely. I would thank you so much, Nikki. I would love to say that it clicked in step three, you know, because I think that's where when we start shifting to thinking of others instead of ourselves, 
but for me, I think it really clicked when I started sponsoring. Um, especially when I had like several sponsees at once, because when I had just one sponsee, I was like all about her and trying to manage her life, which is not what we're supposed to do, you know? And then when I started having like three or four women at a time, um, I was more about, oh my gosh, I, I want to be effective. I want to be helpful. I, you know, I, and learning the literature and praying more and leaning into 11 so that I can be effective in 12. And that's when it really started clicking, like, uh, because it works, you feel the results. And then you're like, oh, okay, I, I need to keep helping. <laughs> it pays off. I hope that helps. Thank you, Nikki. Ali, come on up. Hi, everybody. Ali Gray for Alcoholic. Uh, Alice, thank you so much. For your, uh, nice to see you again. Thank you so much for a beautiful share. You know, as you were sharing, I was just smiling a lot well, inside because I could relate to a lot. And um, I was thinking about a couple of things and I had a question. One is that uh, when Teresa and I were sort of meditating on contemplating on the, on the format of the meeting, the way it came was to set it up so, uh, so it's not a line by line going to the book journey, right? And I am a big book guy and all the people that I admire are deep in the big book. But what I have found is that the people that have um, the depth and weight that really just moves my heart, um, they are deep in the big book and they walk the big book. So there's no need to refer to it line by line. They pour their experience on the book. you know, what I mean? <laughs> And that's what you've done today because you poured your experience and it's opened up my heart. And I can really relate to everything you're saying because I have such depth and weight your experience. Thank you for that. The second thing I want to say that one thing you said just hit me so hard because it's just that's my experience. And it was so beautifully put. You said today, if I'm not mistaken, or these days, I welcome the suffering. That's my experience. And it reminded me of a couple of lines of a Rumi poem where he says that uh, being a candle... Being a candle is not easy. In order to give light, one must burn first, you know? So I get that. I get that. And I want to ask you this question, okay? If you sort of touched on it, please forgive me. I've been in and out of, like, in, during your talk, I've been in and, out, in and out of, like, reflecting my own experience and coming back to you. That's just my experience today. So um, mm -hmm. would you please uh, share with us, if you're comfortable, at this point right now, if you can think about and pray on what is one of the lowest points in the last 10 years of your recovery? One of the darkest valleys where you had to burn. And then in hindsight, when you look back, um, why are you grateful for it now? Yeah. Why are you welcome in that? Like, you know, when I look back, I see what I put in God. So that, that, if you right. would please. Right, right. Two things come to mind. Um, the, the physical pain that um that i have because at first and like seeking medical help and all these things like it felt like i had to be i had to fix it you know and then i realized that it's a gift even though it doesn't feel like it you know like oh but it is um but another one that was just a very low point um in since i got sober was um when my husband read my fourth step and um, yeah, and it was just it, as as absolutely messy as as you can imagine. But um, we got um, we got closer as a result, and we're better than ever today. And I would not have planned that for myself. <laughs> wow, that was a great question. Uh, thank you, Ali. Uh, David Love, come on up. Thank you, and uh, thank you, Alice. As always, that's just wonderful, and. I hope I'm not breaking the format, but I don't have a question. But but uh, uh, most people here probably don't know this, but I'm a caregiver for my wife. She has stage, stage five kidney disease. And we moved here from California about three years ago. We live with our oldest son and daughter-in-law so we can have some backup and, and things like that. And, um, and about three years ago, my sponsor, who's in the Sacramento area, uh, he told me I needed to go deeper into step 11. And I've been around here quite a while. And uh, but I really wasn't doing much in the morning at all. And at about that same time, we started two way prayer. 
And if you look at the bottom of 86, that's what it's talking about. It doesn't say two-way prayer. It doesn't say it's in writing, but that's what it says. It says the answers will come. And that's what they did in the Oxford group. They did two-way prayer. And if you don't know, you can go to twowayprayer.org if anybody's interested. But it's it's whatever's on your heart, you're asking God for help or for guidance, that sort of thing. And then you just kind of sit back and just kind of meditate on, on what I asked for. And the answers do come. And I write that down. And this week is the third anniversary for me of doing two-way prayer. And what I love about two-way prayer, and I've had people tell me, oh, I talk to God all the time. I ask him all that. The biggest benefit to me is I like a four-step. I can go back three years later, and I can read what I wrote three years later. And that's right when we first moved here. And what I was writing three years later is, why do I have to do all this for my wife? We've been married a long time. We've never been divorced all these many, 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 many years. And through this process of, of everything that we that I do, uh, I've gotten to that point where I say I get to help her. You know, I have to help her with everything. She's on home dialysis, and I have to leave at 9 o'clock to start setting up for dialysis for the night. She does it overnight. And then in the morning, she gets off dialysis, and I fix breakfast, and then I walk her dog, and then I fix my breakfast. I do all those kinds of things. And now I get to do it. And I go to God constantly all day long. And, and when I'm close to God, these kinds of things just pop into my head. And this is a little card, you know, like the doctors and dentists give you with your next appointment on them, right? So I had a couple of these sitting around and I wrote some 10 step stuff on this side. But, you know, we talk all the time about when I retire at night and on awakening. But there's four other things after that, the top of page 87, that we're supposed to do all during the day. So I wrote those down. Thy will be done, says say many times throughout the day. Admit that I'm no longer running the show. I wrote that down. I wrote number three, pause when agitated or doubtful. And I wrote that down. And number four, I wrote down, ask for the right thought or action. And I carry this in my pocket all day, every day, everywhere I go. And if I'm getting a little bit off and, you know, all that sort of thing, I just reach in my pocket and, and touch this card and everything is fine. So I just wanted to share that. And and I love you, Alice. And and uh, I, thanks for the opportunity to be here this evening. And thanks, everybody. Thank you, David. Teresa F., come on up. Hi, everyone. Teresa Alcoholic. Thank you so much, Alice. Beautiful. And one who suffers pain. <laughs> Heard you completely on that one. And so many love. Uh, you know, Dave had me, when he was saying something, it had me think about a question. And I've been asking this question to a few folks in our conversations. Uh, and that is that I hear us talk about, think about, share about, how we talk to God, right? Through prayer and meditation or how we sit still, the practice of sitting still, uh, that moment of silence or literature we read or these moments of pausing. There's several things I often hear about my way of communicating to God. And so I've been asking the question, how does one hear? So that's my question to you, right? Because that's just as much as the God of my understanding. Uh, but, you know, that's what they reminded me. Some may hear through a two-way prayer. And the big book to me talks a lot about intuition. If I really look at it as developing intuition or going back to that place of origin of our intuition. So how would you say you hear? How would you say you hear? Thank you. Thank you, Teresa. Um, it feels like an idea will pop into my head but it's like clearly not me racking my own brain to come up with it. And I believe that's God because I'll have these experiences where I'm like, okay, obviously that's God. You know, um, sometimes it feels like words, you know, I don't hear an actual voice, but it'll, um, but it, it feels like words in my head. You know, and sometimes it's just a feeling um, or that gut knowing um, or even better taking action, like just doing something that I hadn't 
thought through, you know, to intentionally do, but I'm just suddenly without premeditation, picking up and calling somebody or accomplishing a task or doing something. And I'm like, Oh, that's, that's me receiving God's guidance and, and actually putting it into action. Thank you so much, Teresa. Uh, Marilyn B, come on up. Thank you. Uh, my name is Marilyn. I am an alcoholic. And Alice, thank you so much. What a pleasant surprise because I was not expecting you, even though I saw Alice on the flyer. Duh. But at any rate, what a lovely, lovely, lovely share. And I totally related to so many things that you said and you brought a lot to my mind. Uh, I mean, so I definitely have a question, but I, you know, I'm thinking on some of the things that you were saying, how throughout the day you you move in pace you know, with their higher power, something of that effect. And, uh, and and just how beautiful, how you established this relationship and all the signs that you got, I got them all. I get it, Alice, that was beautiful. But, you know, today um, I was practicing, because uh, I'm still at the phase of practicing and my question is going to relate to this, where I, I wanted to move in love today. So everything that I did, I would move, as I moved throughout the day, I continued to tell myself, you know, go in love, you know, keep it in love, you know, um, everything, even when I was walking my dog, because I, I passed by a lady's house and she gets mad when he poops on her grass. And I was first, my thought was, if she comes out here today, and then immediately I said, go in love, go in love. So I had to remind myself in each scenario to, to go in love, right. And to, at the end of the day, or the day's not quite over, but at the end of my day out, um, I felt like, you know, I looked back over the day to see how I had done. Right. And I felt like I stayed in that space, you know, and I thanked my higher power because I know it was my higher power. But my, so my question is to you, I have to practice it, right. I had to tell myself all day, you know, do this, you know, the thought would come and then I'd say, go in love. And just that saying would bring me back to where I I knew God's will for me was do is this a working part of your has it become a working part of your mind as you move through the days just happens or, or do you because I'm practicing it, so that's my question is it a working part of your mind something like that thank you Marilyn it's so good to see you too um it feels like a working part of my mind what I have to practice at is um continually asking God for guidance and being open to facing my own self-centeredness. But I had a like really magical experience with um, a resentment I carried for decades, just being lifted right out of me. And that felt like a cheat code to like the rest of my life. Like, Oh my God, if that person's not a villain, then nobody is. And now I don't get annoyed by people anymore. Like I have a love for people that I used to not have. <laughs> and so it's like that, um, that resentful reaction to people that, that need to play God just like went away. Um, not of me or like, um, not like an accomplishment of mine. It was just like everything flipped after that fourth step. Um, and so I rarely get, I rarely get annoyed by people the way I used to. Um, but I still, what I, I have to keep practicing the asking for his guidance. <laughs> I hope that makes sense. Thank you, Marilyn. Uh, the infamous Kevin T, come on up. Hi. Hi, guys. I'm Kevin, and I am an alcoholic. Uh, awesome message, uh, Alice. Uh, I've heard you before, and uh, I go to, I used to go uh, to a meeting Mondays, and you led a big book study with Rebecca's 
big book study and it was uh, pretty awesome and uh, always like when I uh, listen to you Alice and one of my well, I do I was thinking about a question um, uh, I find when I uh, I have years of sobriety but I, I still sometimes get in uh, a, a moment where uh, I don't feel anything. I don't feel God, and it's dry. And I was just wondering, uh, how do you get out of this dryness when you pray to God or you ask him for anything and nothing seems to be com coming at all? And uh, just wondering, um, how do you get out of that dryness when... Uh, all your prayers don't seem to work and you're still in that dry mode. So how do you, how do you get out of that? That's a great question, Kevin. The best way out of it I've found is helping somebody. And um, I don't know why. No, I do know why. Um, <laughs> if I reach out and like help a stranger, like it's so quick and effective because if I'm in that mode of like I can't feel God I'm I'm in self I believe and if I'm if I go to like help my husband then if I'm already in that mode then I'm going to get resentful that he didn't respond to my help or whatever you know I can get it twisted but when I seek to just ask God to help even if I can't feel God in that moment ask God to um help me be useful and then, I mean, we have, we have alcoholics at our fingertips today, you know, online and social media and just reaching out and seeking to help somebody. And it um, gets me back right size. And the, the interactions I get to have, we get to have with other people, um, the things that transpire is like, okay, like, God is, God's here, <laughs> you know, his presence is right here. I hope that helps. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, Sin R, come on up. Good evening, everyone. I'm Sin and I'm an alcoholic. And uh, I just want to thank you so much, Alice, for your share. You know, I heard you uh, on a meeting I don't know, several months ago, maybe in the early spring or something like that, um, on a meeting. And I was really touched by whew, that thing you shared that you was relieved from, um, you know, your your life and, you know, the resentment that you had um, carried for so long and somebody helped you to get out of it. That was amazing. Um, but then again, you said a lot of amazing things tonight. But what really hit me because I'm a selfish I'm I'm a selfish person but I'm a I'm a I'm a self-sufficient person, you know the way I grew up and so, you know I was listening and you said something about your mom found some letters that you wrote, right? I'm not sure if you was drinking or not, but you didn't remember. Right. And so, but when you got them, obviously you were sober, right? You recovered, right? So when when you when you saw those letters being in recovery like you were, how did that I mean, did that really go deep? Because when you shared that, you put your hands like this here, like something really, you know, hit you so deep. And so I was wanting to know what that feeling was like. Mm, good question. Yeah. So what um, what my mom had found was like poems I had written when I was like eight years old. And I was so surprised that I had written about God because I don't remember that at all. I don't remember ever believing in God or being interested in God until, you know, alcoholism brought me to my knees. So I was really surprised that, you know, oh, no, I had been you know, as a child. And why I forgot all about that, I don't know, but I was really surprised. And I do also look back sometimes at things I wrote when I, you know, as an adult drinking 
and the difference is startling. Like it's looking at a totally different person. Thank God. <laughs> Thank you so much, Sin. Okay, so we're coming to the end of the meeting here. Uh, Sin, uh, Alice, would you like to leave us with anything before we move on uh, with the meeting? Um, thank you so much, Philip. Just thank you. Thank you, everyone. And I don't think I caught up with all the messages in the chat, but I just want to say thank you. Like, this is really um, what a lovely group. I'm really, really honored. And I mean it when I have my phone number up there, like I'm down to connect with anybody. So thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate it.